Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. All right, Ben, well, welcome to the podcast. Fantastic to have you along. I'm sitting here in uh, sunny Brisbane, and I believe that you're sitting there at sunny Perth. Is it sunny there today? Thanks, Richard. Yeah, sunny today. Had a bit of rain last night, but it's a lovely afternoon today. Excellent. And uh, we're recording this podcast literally a few days before Easter. Have you got any exciting plans for the Easter long weekend? I have a seven-year-old who's very excited about the Easter bunny visiting, and we uh, uh, last weekend uh, making an Easter hat for his uh, school grade. <laughs> so lots of festivities in our house. Uh, that's awesome. I, uh, I actually turned 54 on Easter Friday, which is a, a scary thought. I'm always, always on the slippery slope to 60. And uh, I'm going to the Byron Bay Blues Fest, which uh, has been canceled for the last three years or a couple of years during COVID. So I'm very excited about that too. So, uh, Ben, just to get that all, you know, rolling, tell us a little bit about your current professional responsibilities. So I work for Senko. My role is the Director of Minerals and Metals uh, for the APAC Africa region. So that uh, has oversight over process engineering and all of our studies work. Fantastic. And uh, for those people who are unfamiliar with Asenko, tell us a bit about the business. Yeah, so Asenko as a company is over 30 years old. Um, primarily, we service the mining industry uh, all the way from concept study all the way through to building projects. We support operations and we also have business lines in long distance slurry pipelines, uh, infrastructure and environment. So quite a diverse business in our region, mostly focused on servicing the, the minerals industry. Okay, great. And how big is uh, the division that you look after in terms of headcount, et cetera? Across the, uh, the APAC region, our headcount is over 200. My team is approximately 30 to 40. Okay, right. And so what's, uh, I suppose, the remit for your term, uh, term for your team? So my team looks after the process engineering and metallurgy. So we are really responsible for setting the direction and the flow sheet and setting the value for our clients, making sure that there's return on investment, not just financially, but in terms of ESG. Um, and we see that all the way through from our very early concepts through to proving up a concept at feasibility study level. Uh, we then support the design through a detailed design phase. And our team then sees out the very end of the project life cycle into commissioning and ramp up as well. Okay. And uh, noting that you have both APAC and Africa responsibilities, what, what's the kind of split between what's happening in APAC versus what's happening in Africa? Yeah. Um, at the moment, our Africa split is probably 10 to 20%. We certainly would like to grow that. Um, the rest of our work is in Australia and predominantly Southeast Asia at the moment. Okay. And so I imagine COVID must have really restricted your travel. Um, but are you planning on getting over to Africa or have you been there recently? I haven't. Uh, some of my colleagues will be heading over to the mining and data in Cape Town in a couple of weeks. Right. Um, also, one of my scope managers, he's looking after a project in Tanzania and he's planning on heading off there within the next month. Okay, awesome. And I noticed that this is your uh, 
your second stint with the Senko, but uh, we, we might come back and, and talk a bit uh, more about that later in the podcast. So let, let's um, uh, step back in time, Ben. Uh, you know, my podcast really, uh, there are a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are really interested in people who have walked the path before them, you know, growing their career into senior roles, obviously like yourself, and and, uh, and really interested in learning about people's backgrounds, et cetera. So tell us a little bit about your background. Um, where were you born and mum and dad, brothers and sisters, et cetera? Uh, so I was born and grew up in Perth. Okay. Uh, one older brother and both of my parents were not in the mining or engineering game. Um, my mum's always worked in admin roles and my dad was in a business management role as well. Okay. My brother and I were both um, quite interested and really liked science at school. Yeah. And my brother's also an engineer. He went into a metallurgy path um, after I did. He started off doing materials engineering, more secondary metallurgy. I did the primary extractive metallurgy, but we both ended up converging on a similar career. Uh-huh. And I think the reasons for that is we both really like chemistry. Um, you know, there's great career opportunities within the minerals industry, and we could both see that there, there was lots of opportunity in terms of jobs, potential to travel, um, and, and, you know, great, great personal growth opportunities within the industry. So, uh, I studied with Curtin University in the WA School of Mines. So, um, a couple of my years at university were in Kagali, which is fabulous being at university so close to a world-class mining city as Kagali. Yeah. Um, and that allowed us to go to regular field trips and, and really have some hands-on learning experiences, which was great. And through my vacation work throughout um, university, I was offered my first graduate job. So uh-huh. it was um, a really great um, institution in that it was very connected to our industry. Yeah. And so when you're at school and uh, you're thinking about your future career, um, granted you you know had an interest in science and technology and the things you mentioned earlier, would you say that mining was a logical first choice because of simply how big the mining industry was there. So was it more about a commercial decision for you or what was it on, this is an industry that I'm actually really passionate about? I think it was both. So when I was in high school, I went on a couple of uh, holiday camps that looked at um, career opportunities in the mining industry, but I was also quite keen to go to career fairs and I stumbled across this career called metallurgy. I'd never really heard about it very much. I think there may have been some references to it in high school chemistry, but otherwise through career fairs and going on some of these camps, I came across this field that I found very technically interesting. And I guess from a practical point of view as well, realized that, you know, some, um, some fields are really interesting to study, but there's not always a great conversion straight after university into, into yeah. jobs. And that certainly, um, you know, it was a very different story. Um, in mining, particularly when I graduated um, in, uh, when I started working in 2005, there was, I had a number of job opportunities at that stage and have really had quite diverse opportunities and been able to work in some amazing places. Oh, that's awesome. My, my son is 14 and uh, we literally, uh, uh, the other day had a conversation saying, oh, dad, you know, I've got to pick my subjects to, you know, decide what I want to be when I grow up. And I'm thinking far out, you know, uh, for young men, including yourself, you know, as I said, I'm a, a very old, almost 54 year old, uh, how can you possibly pick your career when, uh, 
you know, you're 14 and we're thinking that, you know, you're probably going to be live, you're going to live till you're over a hundred, but, uh, uh, seems to be the way it is. So you kind of just, um, you know, you got a passion for it and, and that was that, huh? Yeah, definitely. And I think your point on where does your career take you? Part of it is you need to pick a path to get going that interests you, but also, um, the opportunities that can present themselves can be, um, a unique snapshot of time and place. Yeah. And also, you know, you have to take some of these opportunities. Some of them can be quite uh, challenging, sometimes a little bit scary, and you only get that growth through stepping outside of your comfort zone. Fantastic. And so whilst you were at uni, uh, did you have a day job or, uh, uh, sorry, not day job, uh, did you have sort of a weekend job to, uh, you know, to fund your studies or your full time into uh, mining? So during the term time, I tutored students in high school subjects so um across maths chemistry physics and i actually learned japanese at high school as well so i was also tutoring high school japanese right and then during the longer semester breaks i was working on mine sites so i worked at a few different operations during my time at university um particularly across the long summer breaks Uh uh-huh excellent and so you finished your degree and you said that you'd been um doing some intern work or equivalent uh, with your first employer. So who was that? So, uh, my third vacation job was with, um, the super pit KCGM and one of the owners of that business at the time was Barrett gold. Right. And, uh, through my final year at university, I was doing some, uh, ongoing casual work with them in business strategy. And, uh, through, I guess that exposure, I was offered a graduate job. Uh, at the Plutonic Gold Mine near McFarrow in WA, and that was my uh, first role. So I guess my, you know, each vacation job that I had kind of secured the second one through exposure in the industry and yeah. through exposure and then the connections in those jobs then landed me my first graduate job. Right. So it's interesting. Um, you said that you were involved in business strategy, and yep. yet you were studying metallurgy. Uh so how does a metallurgist, you know, dip their toe into business strategy? So the vacation job that I was doing at the time in Kagali was in continuous improvement. So it was looking at how we could improve business opportunities. Yes, they were focused on the process plant, but there was um, one of the projects I did was more environmental based as well at the time. Uh, and then moving into some of the casual work which was then at the regional head office at the time was looking at i guess which was the next project to start and what are some of the parameters that um, make a good project and that the barrack were using at the time for project development okay um and uh so where to from then uh so first job uh plutonic gold mine i worked there for three and a half years it was a fabulous platform as a graduate i spent almost a year operating, being a shift supervisor, uh, acted as mill foreman, gold room foreman. So really did every operational role within the process plant. And that was a fabulous platform to learn and be a better engineer and a better manager. Mm-hmm. Um, then the two years or so after that was uh, working on improvement projects, monitoring the performance of the process plant. Um, and Towards the end of that time, I was the one of the alternate process plant managers. So for six days a fortnight, I was often managing the process plant uh, a few years out of university. Mm-hmm. Which for somebody of your age was quite unique, was it? 
It was. Um, at the time, the, the site was looking for people that would take on that responsibility. And I guess, you know, it's one of those, like I said, sometimes you need to take opportunities when they present themselves. And I said yeah. to my manager, look, yeah, I'm only learning. And if you have my back during this process, I'll, you know, I'll give it a red hot go. Right. And was given that opportunity. And it was um, something that I really enjoyed doing and was uh, a really important um, growth milestone in my career. That's awesome. And so what do you think it is about you that you can see the opportunity and you'll take the risk? You know, is that something that you, you learned from your parents or is it, you know, that whole, uh, nature versus nature, uh, what's it? Nature versus nurture argument. What, what, um, because there'd be plenty of people who wouldn't take the risk, right? Yeah. Um, my parents were both very hardworking and really instilled a strong work ethic in my brother and I, and yes. um, really placed a high value on education and opportunity and when they were presented to you to, to pursue them. Right. Okay. So, uh, you said basically to your boss, if I, if you've got my back, I'll give it a crack. Yep. And so, uh, that obviously worked out well. Yeah, it did. So I stayed at that site for three and a half years at that stage uh there was a new mine site that was starting up in tanzania and there was um the process manager at the time uh in australia was connected with the process manager in tanzania and he actually gave me advice at that stage and said look you've done a really good job here um i'm i, I don't think you've got that much more that you can learn and i really encourage you to spread your wings and this opportunity is coming up have a think about it yeah um you know, and certainly working overseas for the first time, I was still in my twenties and, you know, hadn't worked in that environment, but it was definitely, you know, seeing a, there, at that stage, there wasn't a lot of new mine sites being built in Australia. So being able to have that opportunity to see a process plan in construction and commissioning and ramp up was um, a, a pretty unique opportunity. Mm -hmm. And was that a FIFO role or were you living in country? It was uh, nine weeks on, four weeks off. Right. Uh, fly and fly out. So I'd have her every third month back, but otherwise yeah. working pretty, pretty long hours for the night. Right. And how did you enjoy that experience? Look, it was great. Met some lifelong friends there. It was um, a great cultural experience. And uh, there's some pretty unique facets of operating in an environment like that. There's more logistics challenges um, to negotiate. And I guess that gives you a better appreciation, I guess, of the value chain of a business being in quite a different environment like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what then led to you leaving back to joining a Senko for the first time? Um, I'd done about two and a half years working overseas and I thought it was probably time to come and spend some time with my family and it'll be a little bit closer to home. Um, and I was looking at a range of job opportunities and actually through um, one of the managers I worked for in Tanzania, he was connected through to one of the managers at Asenko and recommended that I go and, um, apply for a job and introduce myself. And that got me in the door at Asenko. So yeah, a bit yeah. of a quite, and quite a career change as well. I'd been in uh, operations for five and a half years at that stage, um, had done some, uh, supervision and middle management and certainly hadn't had any exposure outside of university, uh, courses on engineering, like the, the design part of, of the industry. 
<laughs> so again, that was, um, it was a, it was a conscious decision to try something different. And, um, I'm glad that I did that. It was, um, it was worked out really well for me. So was it a case of you wanted to round out your broader skill base? You know, you, you, you'd had experience in one attribute or one element and you wanted to fill in the blanks. Definitely. The, that was a big part of it. And I think the other part of working for a company like Asenko is because we do, um, we support operations, we build and commission projects. There is the opportunity to travel, So, that, but there's balance between, I guess, being uh, a location where you're close to your family and I'm yep. learning something new, but at the same time, uh, for my first four years or so with the company, I was traveling a lot um, and you know, there were some great opportunities to still have a balance between an operational experience and an right. engineering and design experience. Okay. Excellent. And did you have much to do with Brad Shaw at the time? Yeah. So Brad was our, um, our regional president at the time. So yeah, right. yeah, I did work with him. Yes. Right. He's a, he's a, a very good friend of Arato's. Uh, I know Brad very well. And, uh, so when Brad was in the CK, we certainly recruited, uh, 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 a number of roles for him and uh, obviously uh, he's moved on to other things now. And I, I'm interested, um, Ben, uh, during that period, you had this sort of seven months with resource capital funds. Uh, yes. Tell us about that because that sounds uh, quite fascinating. Yes. So um, RCF is one of the um, investors in Asenko as a business and has been a long-term supporter of Asenko throughout its, um, throughout its life cycle. Yep. And at that stage, um, there was someone on secondment within a Senko from RCF and I went on secondment into RCF to see, you know, and for me, that was gaining another skill and understanding, uh, more of the investment side of our industry. Yeah. I'd seen proving up the technical concept, but this was then proving up the financial, um, backing of a project. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, that was a really interesting insight into, into the financing part of our business. Right. Did it, did it, uh, create some kind of a desire for you to work in that side or you were happy to, uh, return back, you know, to your in-house role? For me, it, it gave me some great skills to take back to my, my right. main role back at Asenko. Yeah. Um, I don't think, um, banking and finance and that kind of industry is strongly suited to me for a long-term career. But in terms of getting that, you know, six months or where, if it was a year or two, getting that experience and understanding how that piece of the puzzle fits into um, projects and project value and, and getting projects off the ground, it was a really uh, valuable experience for me. Excellent. Okay, great. And yet, uh, not long after that, you left Asenko to join Wally. Yes. So what led to that? Uh, so I'd been with Asenko for nine years. I left on my ninth anniversary. Right. And again, working for a company for nine years, I guess I wanted to see if how different was another engineering company culturally in terms of systems. Um, and there was some, um, you know, you often follow with job opportunities, people that, you know, some people I'd worked with before had also moved there and it was, you know, working with some familiar faces, but in a new environment and, and seeing what, what that challenge was like. Okay. 
And, uh, but obviously, as they say, the grass is in always greener on the other side because, uh, not too long after that, you returned to a center. Um, yeah, so I was, uh, over a year with Wally and I guess I was, um, contacted by Senko and offered a great opportunity. So before I left to Senko, I was in a, still in a, quite a technical role, a lead yep. process engineer role. Yeah. Um, and Senko was looking to fill a, the process manager role within the APAC region, which was a role I was originally recruited for to go back. Uh, and I guess for me, that was a, another growth step and I, and it was a, um, you know, a business that I was familiar with, but it was a role that was certainly a, a step change and a, and a challenge for me. Um, and I guess weighing up all the, the factors at the time, I decided that was the right, um, the right choice for me and the right challenge for me to take at that time. Fantastic. I should say, I know many of the senior leaders at Wally, so I've got it anyway, uh, but yeah, yeah, Wally are a fantastic employer as it's a Senko, but, uh, uh, so looking now to the future, I mean, you've, um, joined them, you've now in this director role, uh, quite a big mandate in terms of, you know, the future. So one of the things that you're excited about, you know, what, it, what, what are you trying to achieve there? Look, we're. Our business is growing and I'm quite passionate about sustainable growth in terms of making sure we're investing in our people and um, that they're really upskilled and empowered uh, and resourced to do their job and do it well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really passionate about connecting with our clients and understanding their, um, I guess, what what is their end game? What do they want to achieve? What are the milestones they need to achieve internally? Trying to deliver and maximize value for them. And we're working a lot in terms of, you know, some of our strategies really are supporting the clients with their financial goals, their ESG goals, um, and some of the locations we're going into as well. You know, you're often putting major projects into um, areas, particularly in Southeast Asia or in Africa, where you're, you're making a huge contribution to the national economy, to um, training and skill levels as well. So all that I find really, really exciting. Fantastic. And so for people who aren't listening, oh, sorry, for people who are listening, but they're not from the mining industry. So, you know, in particular, you know, get into a little bit of the detail about you know, what, what does your team actually do? So I guess to put it quite simply, what the things that happen on a mine site, so the the geology team identify the rocks and where is which rocks contain the valuable metal. The mining team essentially then dig it out of the ground. And then the processing team, which is essentially the area that we're aligned with, they process those rocks and extract the valuable commodity or metal from those. All right. So let's just step back. Say the geology team who work out, is there a resource here worth mining? Do they work for a Senko or do they work for the mining company? Uh, that again can be quite varied. Sometimes it can be sub-consultants. Sometimes it can be for the mining company themselves. But they could also work for a Senko. Uh, a Senko at the moment, we're focusing on the process plant side. We have partners that we work with, um, oh. other sub-consultants that we work with, but we're primarily focused on uh, the process plant and some of the supporting infrastructure. Right. So largely... The opportunity is brought to you post them saying, 
there's stuff here worth mining. It's Love, here. Yes. Right. Okay. And then the, the provision of the mining services to actually mine the stuff out of the ground, is that a Senko or is that somebody else? Again, largely the client side. So you can have uh, own operator miners or you can have contract miners. Uh, the mining engineers that would then be across some of those designs can sit in either of those two camps as well. All right. So predominantly, a Senko's role is once we've done these rocks out of the ground and we need to process them to get out the good stuff, that's where a Senko comes in. We design and build the process plants to extract the value from the ore. Okay, great. And your particular team, what's the part of that process that they play? So they will they will identify the flow sheet. So they will oversee and interpret test work in a lab. So where you essentially simulate what is the best conditions to get the maximum value. Yep. And then they will select the equipment to process it. So the crushers, the grinding mills, uh, the tanks, the filters, other components to make that value chain happen. Um, and you know, some of the chemical conditions, so the reagent dosages and all those sort of things. Okay. And so obviously, uh, historically the mining industry, there's been a war for talent, you know, uh, as mining industry is growing nationally, globally, the Senko growing its remit globally, et cetera. What, um, what are the kind of things that you do to be able to attract and retain, you know, the best quality of talent to your team? I think there's many factors to that. I think. Um, there's a really, um, well retained core of talent within the team that, um, are world-class experts with technical knowledge and also project delivery knowledge. Um, and they're fat, fabulous people to work with and learn from. Uh, I think the size of our business as well, um, it's definitely more of a, a family oriented type environment. Everyone knows everyone, uh, quite friendly, open door policy so that, you know, it's a quite a flat, um, cultural structure. Um, and we do like to have fun as well, you know, regular social events. And then I guess the last bit is we really do value and invest in our people. So, um, training, um, celebrating people's successes, acknowledging the important events in their lives, all those things that, you know, it's not just an employee employer relationship. We actually want to have a relationship with them as, as people and individuals. Mm -hmm. Well, it's obviously, you know, an employer that you were very happy to return to. So, uh, you know, uh, estimating the fact that, uh, they provided good culture that was sufficient enough to attract you back. So. In terms of, you know, thinking forward about the future uh, of the business, what are the things that you're excited about? So as I mentioned, we're really quite, we're really growing quite a lot. We've got some really exciting projects. So um, we've got some really interesting projects in Africa, in Namibia and Tanzania coming up. We've got some exciting projects into Southeast Asia, but also into parts of Australia, into WA and Queensland and South Australia. So, um, I'm really looking forward to continuing to grow our business, to work with our clients. And like I said, really investing in our people so they can work to the, their full potential, um, and be 
really happy and successful as I would like our business to be as well. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier in terms of your own career, you're somebody that can uh, see an opportunity, take a risk, you know, put yourself out there uh, uh, with these uh, sort of short windows possibility. Uh, what's the future for Ben? Look, I, at the moment, it's, um, I'm one of a team, we call ourselves a regional leadership team. So we've got directors that are looking after different parts of the business mm -hmm. for, you know, the next year or two is really, um, working with that team to grow the business, to continue to grow the right culture in our business. And I guess look, seeing what opportunity is there past that stage, you know, there's certainly Senko does, you know, even at my level, there's, um, you know, development courses in terms of business skills, leadership skills, uh, and certainly potentially running a part of the business, uh, in the future is, is on the cards. Uh -huh. Do you foresee yourself as a CEO of the future? Oh, look, I'd never say never to any opportunity, <laughs> right? If I, if I told you when I was a graduate that I'd be doing this job now, right. uh, I pro I don't know if I'd believe you. I, you know, I, I think when I took my graduate job, I was going on a gold mine. I probably would have told you I might've been a process manager on a mine site, right? That's yeah. really not the path the career's taken. So. And, and, and when you think about how your career's unfolding, uh, you know, granted, you know, you've, you've, you've seized opportunities, but are you drawn to, well, I need to go back and do an MBA or, you know, are there sort of you know, ongoing formal education that you feel, you know, drawn to do, or that's not really where you're at at the moment. I think over the coming couple of years, an MBA or a similar type course, um, focusing on commercial, um, risk, client relationships, business strategy would certainly be advantageous to my growth and future career path. Yeah. Look, uh, as somebody who's done an MBA, uh, I, to be frank, I'm not a huge, uh, advocate of MBAs, uh, but, uh, I, I definitely adhere to, you know, continuing to grow, continuing to learn, uh, whether that's doing short courses or doing highly specialized courses is very important. And of course, you know, as a dad with a, did you say a six or a seven-year-old son? A seven-year-old boy, yeah. <laughs> with a very big job, you know, uh, you you definitely don't want to, uh, you know, take bite off more than you can chew between a big job, being a dad, doing an MBA, et cetera. Uh, it'd be a bit overwhelming. Yeah, look, and, uh, you know, I've got my wife's fabulous. We both work and we both um juggle our responsibilities with our family and our, our careers. And, but, you know, we're hugely supportive of each other. I think we're each other's biggest champion. Uh, and I'm very lucky to have that, that support and grounding at home. Well, isn't that a lovely attempt to say, Mrs. Strong, you should be very proud of Ben for saying that about you. Well done. Uh, we'll make sure that we highlighted the show notes, <laughs> get you, get you some good brownie marks there. And so Ben, you know, to just sort of wrap this up, uh, uh, you know, when you're not at work, what, what sort of things do you love to do to keep the tank full and, uh, you know, what are your passions? Uh, look, I love spending time with my family and watching my son, um, develop and grow. 
Um, travel, I've always really enjoyed traveling and have been lucky that that's been part of my career path. Yeah. Uh, and spending time at the beach, love swimming and spending time at the beach. Right. Okay. Sure. Uh, and so once we, uh, well and truly with these, um, travel restrictions behind us, where's, uh, the first, uh, travel destination for you then? So we've booked to go to Kananara, which is up near the WA Northern Territory border. Right. Um, later in the year, you know, WA is such a big state and even people that live over this part of the world very rarely get to explore um, the far-flung corners. So we're really excited right. about that. Excellent. And into the future, uh, as I mentioned, I studied Japanese at high school and I've never been to Japan. So I'd really right. love to, to visit Japan, see the culture, eat the food. Um, yeah. My wife's a chef, so we both really enjoy um, you know, trying food from different parts of the world and cooking it at home. So yeah. Oh, it's awesome. She's a professional chef, is she? Yes, she is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What cuisine does she specialize in? Uh, she currently works in an Italian restaurant, but she's okay. worked, uh, Italian, Spanish, right. uh, modern Australian. So a range of different restaurants over her career as well. Oh, that's awesome. I had had a, uh, a few weeks in Japan, uh, but I was traveling with my wife, a one-year-old and her mother. So, uh, uh, my, you know, so my mother-in-law, so we didn't really get a chance to go out and go crazy in Tokyo, but uh, I'd love to go back there, you know, and just go and eat because, uh, some of the places over there are just, uh, you know, so bizarre, totally. Um, but, uh, yes, I can imagine that that would be something that a chef would really love to do. All right, Ben, well, look, before we wrap it up, um, is there anything that we haven't spoken about? you were hoping to speak about today no i think that's been really good really good Excellent. yeah thank you good all right well thanks very much for your time have a wonderful afternoon and i look forward to talking to you soon great thanks richard okay thank you for listening to the arate podcast with richard tricks we frequently feature guests from organizations we are currently recruiting to build the company brand as an attraction strategy for candidates. If you would like to promote your organization's brand as an employer of choice, please contact Richard directly on 0403 588 517 or via email richardt at arateexecutive.com.au. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.